I'm Tom Bullock, and welcome back to a very special episode of Candidate Me. Okay, now cue the music and that star thing. On Monday, December 4th, Charlotte will change for the better, or at least that's what we've been promised. Change for the better is what just about every candidate on November's ballot ran on. It was the heart of their campaigns. This was, after all, a change election. A new mayor, a majority of the Charlotte City Council, elected for the first time. A surprising number of incumbents defeated early on, back in the September primary. So yes, when Charlotte's new mayor and city council are sworn in on December 4th, Charlotte is supposed to change for the better. But that doesn't mean every voter believed the promise. And I'm not just talking about those who supported the vanquished. Some didn't believe any candidate. So they didn't check the box next to a specific name. No, they pushed a button, which brought up a touch keyboard on their voting machine, and they took matters into their own fingers. Enter the write-in candidates. Now, you normally don't see the full list of write-in candidates after an election. For the most part, they're not published by the Board of Elections. But they are happy to send them your way, if you ask. And it's an interesting read. Not surprisingly, Jennifer Roberts received the most write-in votes for Charlotte's mayor. But joining her on that list are, and I quote, Tom Jones, comma, the singer. Thanks to that voter for clarifying. Then there are the sports stars, Michael Jordan and Julius Peppers. There's a whole cadre of former politicians like Take a chance on me. Barack Obama, why not? Edwin Peacock and Pat McCrory. He got one vote, which means McCrory finished behind um, Gibbs the Cat, who got two votes. No, you can't shake me. Things get even goofier with the write-ins for school board. That's where you find Cosmo Kramer from Seinfeld and Seymour Butts, always a classic. But my favorite, quote, my dog who scares children. Not to be confused with Gizmo the dog, who got a separate vote. Gizmo doesn't seem to have a campaign website, so we don't know his or her stance on scaring children. As for the Charlotte City Council, well, here goes. Quote, a black woman, comma, please, one vote. Any older white male, one vote. And a whole slew of fictional characters, professional athletes, and a whole lot more, including something kind of fun. For the last few months, I've been pretending to run for political office as a way of lifting the veil and showing you, dear listener, what happens behind the well-crafted facades of campaigns. And I told you to not vote for candidate me, repeatedly. If you change your mind, take a chance, take a chance, Still, in that list of write-in candidate names are two entries, each comprised of two letters. Two voters wrote in, M-E. Now, we have no idea of knowing if that is for me or if they are just self-interested. Either way, there they are. And what the heck? With a newly minted council and mayor just waiting to get at it, I'm calling this episode, What Happens Next? A question answered by, yes, an encore performance of our completely biased political panel, 
but also by someone who will be at the council chambers for the swearing-in, but won't be raising his hand. That story is up next. This is Candidate Me. So not long after the November election was over, I received an intriguing offer. I am rolling, and um, I'm going to start by having you read yep. this line from an email you sent me right after the election. <laughs> All right. If you have any interest in a walloped oddball newcomer, let me know. So you are that walloped oddball newcomer. Tell us your name and what you ran for. So I'm Parker Keynes. I ran for Charlotte City Council at large, and I'm a Republican. I'm 32 years old. So how'd you do? I did terribly. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was, you know, it's funny. We we didn't do, actually, we did exactly as we expected to. We were shooting for 44,000 votes, and we got, you know, just, I think, 60 votes over 44,000. So 68. 68, correct. So we were surprised at the outcome in terms of how well we did to our goal, but we were um, blown away by the numbers as they felt as the final was. It, it, it is fascinating to me, too, because 44,068 votes, that's significant. I mean, yeah. you're, I think you were, what, 5,000, roughly 5,000 votes shy of what Kenny Smith got? Sure, yeah. Um, you were both running for obviously different positions, but mm -hmm. both running citywide. Right. And yet you ended up in sixth place. Right. Um, and only the top four, all four of them Democrats, yep. were elected citywide. You're 32. Yeah. Politically active, clearly. Yep. Would you run again? I would. As yep. a Republican? I would, yeah. What would you do differently? You know, the topic of 2019 comes up, and, you know, I, I ran for city council because I really wanted to be involved in the construct of our city, and that's not going away, so I've actually applied for new boards. Um, you know, I don't have to be on city council to make a difference, so that's going to be my goal. If the landscape looks as though a Republican may be able to get elected, then... You know, I'll, I'll definitely run again. I'm still considering it, but we just want to see something where the balance is a little bit more even. I mean, that's one of the things that I know both John and myself preached. Um, a lot of the city council members that are currently city council members also believe that there should be some sort of balance. Define balance. It's the second time you've used it. Are you talking about nonpartisan races? Are you talking about some form of, of redistricting, which will happen, but not until after the 2020 census? Yeah, so I think that um, nonpartisan races would help. I think, you know, that's something that I would like to see just because it would it would almost force people to look more into the candidates. The, the ballot would be too big when they walked in there. It would either be a guessing game for names, which exists, or um, they would have to actually educate themselves on all of the candidates' viewpoints. And I don't think that that would be a bad thing. They would challenge people to make sure that they knew what they were voting for. Um, it may actually decrease voter turnout, which I'm I'm very much against. I, I was excited to see the voter turnout increase as much as it did, even though we lost, just because I believe that, you know, voter turnout is what drives progress as well. That being said, we're still outnumbered uh, two to one. So it's, it's and we're starting to see, a, we're losing districts slowly too. I mm -hmm. mean, there was a- um, There are two districts in the South that are classically Republican that Vi Lyles won. Right. Vi Lyles won them, and uh, even the district reps had a hard time I haven't looked at the year-over-year -year numbers, but I believe that there was a much higher turnout for um, the Democrat candidates than there has been in the past. Parker Keynes, you decided to go big for your first run, right. to say the least. Mm -hmm. um, running citywide as a political newcomer in a Democratic-dominated city 
as a Republican, that is a tall order. Right. Any regrets on that? No, I don't have any regrets from this campaign in general. It was a great experience. I met a ton of people, both Republican and Democrats, uh, rich and poor, and of all different colors and genders. I've met um, many people on the gender spectrum as well that have helped me with some of the social issues that we are starting to see in Charlotte. So I think it gave me great, interesting perspective. I'm, I'm a much different person than when I started. In a classic race, two candidates vying off. One wins, one loses. One gives a concession speech in a phone call mm-hmm. to the winner. The other one gives a, hey, we did it speech and is elected. What on earth do you do when you're running against eight other people and four of them get seats? I, I imagine, like, is there a concession call? Uh you pick and choose. So, <laughs> yeah. So, um, obviously, you know, I actually didn't speak to John until two days afterwards. I think we were both a little bit shocked and licking our wounds, but I want to, you know, John actually called me, um, and several other council members that did win and passed through reached out to me and, and offered condolences and, you know, kind of a, an attaboy. Um, and I reached out to others as well. You know, it took me probably about two weeks just because not, not because I was upset about it, just because you had to let the dust settle. I didn't really know where every I didn't know what to do with my life at that point because I had so much free time. All of you spent so much time on the campaign trail together. I'm willing to bet you know more about these new city council members than you probably do about friends over the last year. Yeah, that's true. What do you think they're going to be able to get done? You know, I think that they, there's a big, steep learning curve that I would have been subject to as well. I think that the struggle they're going to have is who's going to capture the limelight. You know, because of how much attention there was on this election, there's been uh, superstars, if you will, in terms of the media. And if we can uh, dim that down to make it much more of a group decision and group decision-making process, then I think we're going to be much more successful than is if one person continues to, you know, propagate legislation in certain agenda items. Uh, they really need to gel as a group. And if they do, I think they're going to be much more successful. If they don't, it's going to be very detrimental to the success of city council. That is the now vanquished but still optimistic Republican Parker Keynes. Up next, they return to the stage for one more go. Our political hacks tell us what they think is next for the city, the council, and political parties. You're listening to Candidate Me. If you listen closely, you can just about hear the applause. Yep, it's an encore of our political hack panel. We have our bipartisan but yet fully biased political consultants back here in the studio for one more go. They are, of course, Republican political consultant Larry Shaheen and Democratic political consultant Dan McCorkle. Gentlemen, welcome back for your encore. Howdy. Yay. So, on Monday, December 4th, We have a new council and a new mayor being sworn in. How big of a deal was this city election? How big of a deal was it that we saw five new members elected to the Charlotte City Council and a new mayor in Democrat Vile Isles? 
Well, I think we have a council now, or excuse me, going to be sworn in on December 4th that represents more of what Charlotte is in the year 2017. I mean, think about the city council. You have five African-Americans, you have five uh, white folk, and you have one Asian-American. That is very much what Charlotte is. The average age of the Charlotteans in 2017, the average age is 34. We have a council that very much reflects who we are as a city and where we're going as a city. So I'm, I'm very happy with it. It's historic, but it's also bringing things right where they need to be right now. Now, they're not, uh, there's a lack of experience, you might say. but You might say. You've you got five first-time members, Dan. a generational change, and this happened in the past. I guess it was different when it happened in the 50s and 60s. This is happening. Charlotte is uh, getting a council that it uh, reflects Charlotte. Okie dokie then. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> so obviously uh, Dan has uh, this <laughs> stuck in his head a little bit. It reflects Charlotte. As a Republican, Larry Shaheen, do you agree with that assessment? Uh, I mean, I think that we had a huge shift in age. I don't think we're necessarily going to see a major shift in policy. Um, the question's going to be uh, what these... Because you talk about the, the the people talk about the five or six new members. I think it's technic it's six technical new members, but Dimple's uh, been technically there because Dimple Dimple's is Mira, who was just elected for the first time as an at large oh. member of the Charlotte City Council, was of course first appointed to the City Council. That's right. So we'll say five plus one. Five plus one. Well, the thing is, is that if you take that five segment them off, you've got five younger, newer folks: uh, Justin Harlow, uh, Braxton Winston, Larkin Eggleston, Dimple Lishmira. Um, and then who's the other? Yeah. Oh, I'm forgetting Matt Newton. Matt Newton. Those five are going to make up. They, if if they get one more person, that's a that's a caucus. They they can literally be the millennial caucus. Well, they can be the millennial caucus right now. I think what you're thinking of is quorum or majority. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, they can if they can get one more person, either it's a Republican or a Democrat, to vote with them on block issues. Mm-hmm. Where does that leave Julie or Smudgy or any of the experienced folks? I, I truly think that the interesting thing to look forward to in this next. Uh, city council is going to be the uh, interplay between the folks who are trying to bring change to the city to, with the folks who would like the city to stay the same. I truly believe that that is where this, the, the, the crux of the disagreements and discussions and arguments are going to go, and that's going to be a huge deal. All right, but I want to push back on you on two points. Number one, there are only two Republicans on the Charlotte City Council. Right. That is the same as it was before the election. Clearly not what your party had hoped for. Oh, no. Do Republicans still see this as a reflection of Charlotte as a whole, as Dan was stating? The fact that the Republicans aren't just the minority, but a significant minority. Well, let's be blunt here. It's something like, it's, and you can go back and play the tape. I think our most hopeful option was less of a minority. Yeah, no, it was, <laughs> yeah let's be you, blunt. It was 7 yeah. 4. I think that well, was our most hopeful. It was 8, eight three. 3. You wanted that mayor so, badly. So, so, it's, so, it's, so it's 9 2. Okay. So, so it's 9 2. Uh, that's. Realistically, that's no difference. But I, I, I will, I will say this: there's, a, there's, a, there's a phrase that gets passed around Republicans in Charlotte and Mecklenburg County. It's that when, when Democrats fight amongst each other, don't stop it. So I think at this point right now, you're gonna. See, I do. I think you're gonna see some initial arguments, and it will be interesting to see how they can temper that. The second point I want to bring up and push you on is this: Yes, the breakdown, the party breakdown of. Or the party makeup of the Charlotte City Council is the you same. Say party breakdown, if you wanted. But the ideology has shifted, arguably more liberal, and that is because Claire Fallon, who was on the Charlotte mm-hmm. City Council, elected at large as a Democrat, 
often, not always, but often voted with your party, with the two other Republicans. She's gone. She lost her primary. Uh, So that, to me, signals a more significant shift in the Charlotte City Council. Uh, a shift towards being more liberal. Well, the question is going to be what what, what, what they're going to do. If you're talking Pro- about a f- progressive, by the way. Oh yeah, see. And now we see? quibble about certain now we titles. quibble about titles. There's liberals that don't want to be progressive, and there's progressives that yeah, don't want to be all liberals. You guys are conservatives. So. We are darn right. We are. We are. We are nothing if not consistent. That's right. You and your coalition government. Um, at the end of the day, <laughs> the, the question is: are, are the folks that that want to tear down? certain things or change certain things are they going to have the support of folks that have been there before i would i would think that lawless maturity is very important oh come on okay she has been in government for 25 years plus she's a very mature individual she's a peacemaker this is where mayoral leadership really matters the first time in, in many years she will be their leader they look to her they respect her uh, especially the new democrats a lot of them campaigned with her so this is where you have the mayor that can make a difference, not just in, in policy, but how things are ran. But this is the chance we need. This is the time that the mayor will be a leader of the majority and hopefully of the entire city council if District 6 and 7 will play along. Play being, along. being the Republican. Be playing along, getting nothing, like they've gotten nothing for a very long time, but that's okay. We'll... So here's the question I have for both of you then. Of course, we're talking about Vi Lyles, who uh, on December 4th will stop being mayor-elect and become Charlotte's mayor. She campaigned, gentlemen, on something that's easy to run a campaign on. We're going to act now. Action now. That is a seductive and effective <laughs> campaign tool. How do you do that, though? When it comes to actual leading, what does she need to do? Let's let's use the classic standard. What does she need to do in her first hundred days to actually show that that's her plan and she is about action now? First thing uh, a mayor traditionally does, other than give their nice speech on December fourth, which should be a unifying speech, by the way, where they appoint the very very important committees, mm-hmm. economic development on down to governmental affairs, you name it. There's a number of these key committees. And make sure those committee chairs are charged. Here's what you have to do in the first 100 days if that's what she wants to do. Make sure those committees are active, they're meeting, they're taking input, they're getting public input especially, and go forth with what her goals are in the first, say, 100 days. But when you've got a council with five new members, is she, what, going to appoint all the old hands, as it were, to these committee Positions, which would have to include, by definition, someone like Republican Ed Driggs, who, Vi Lyles and Ed Driggs, not exactly besties. Not that they don't like each other personally, uh, well, but when it comes I, to policy. I, you know, you, you could have argued that that was the case before this election. It certainly is not now. Mm. Because, 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 of, because Ed, Ed has traditionally gotten along well with most of the Democrats. Um, he has called out a lot of different things, but I think the only person that Ed... And has ever had a serious disagreement with other than um, than now Vi it was probably with Dimple. They have a, yeah, yeah they have, very they have, much they, different. They, they, they have very much disagreements. But now <laughs> the number one issue in the campaign was Vi Lyles's vote on Bojangles, which was affordable housing. Affordable housing, which was brought Ed, up by Ed Driggs. So there, there may be a little residual. Eh, we'll see. But but I mean, let, let, let's go back to Vi. Let's go back to Vi for a second. I find this fascinating. I feel like we should settle in at the fireplace. Oh, this is, I find this I find this so fascinating. 
she is a city bureaucrat. Let's just call it what it is. Because, you know, I, I can respect that, that, that she served, and I, I appreciate that. I do. But for crying out loud. It's called experience. It's lady. called bureaucracy. We have a lot of it, and it's time to tear most of it down. But that's beside the point. Well, why didn't y'all campaign on that? I, I, I would have. But then again, I'm not the one in charge. You campaigned on where? Conservative white uh, men. Whatever. Anyway. Eh, whatever. Bureaucracy is the bureaucracy is the is, elimination of bureaucracy and regulation is the key to enhancing the middle class. There, Republican thing said. Moving on. Vi Lyles <laughs> is a bureaucrat. Okay, her job is not to take action. Her job is to slow, plan, be methodical, make sure that everyone's involved, everyone's listened to. Da 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 da. Okay. Now, but now her counsel, on the other hand, is action. They want to get stuff done. The question I have. Is that's going to be interesting to watch? Is Vi going to be somebody with a whip, where she corrals people, tries to keep them in line, or is she going to take the reins and ride this progressive wave, as you like to call it, into uh, a place where she's uncomfortable? And then does she make a mistake? I, I, look, I hated the results as much as anybody else, but I got to tell you, it, it it keeps me in places like this because someone gets to be the other side, and I get to watch one side. We're, we're essentially one-party government in this county, and it's been that way for a while. And, and for those of us who just kind of like to watch from the outside, it's like we, we've already seen this, this concept for this massive uh, idea for light rail. Well, okay, we're going to spend $2 million on plans and engineering for something that oh by the way you know the federal government may want to pay you know may, may not pay for as much of it as we think and the state definitely isn't going to pay for any of it and also oh by the way any authority we have unless it's property taxes to raise money to pay for six billion dollars of light rail has to be asked for by the state so why on God's earth are we spending $2 million on plans and things and pretty shiny new objects when we don't even know if the funding's there? Like, I'm just, Why on that God's is earth so silly. Y'all not campaign this way. Y'all campaigned as seven dudes driving stop around it. in a van. Stop it. Yeah, but uh, You can say stop it. He's not exactly wrong. <laughs> no, I know he's not wrong. I can't You have look. ran 17 consecutive white men. Uh, I was okay, gonna say and Tariq. Tariq, Tariq, Tariq Scott, yes, Tariq Scott Bakari. I corrected myself. <laughs> is not does not fall into no, your your Tariq does not white, fall into the, let, let, the white guys client, on tour. Plan. My client, yeah, gonna okay. give, raise my I hand. How about the men part, Larry? Oh, do you not have females part. in the Republican oh. Party? Yeah, we do. And are they and you know, they run? are so tired. Uh, okay, we we have gone into this. that. Before. We've covered this. So, but I, let's go. Let's let's turn it well, back. No, I'm going to turn it back again to bring up this question and push back on you to say that you like you know a. Big number of people did not support Vi Lyles. Don't see nope. her as the effective mayor. But the results. Well, supporter. She's the mayor. I mean, no, she's no, my, in she's the election. Mayor. Oh, yeah. The as results. a candidate, the results, Larry, yeah. paint a very different picture. Yeah. She walloped Republican mayoral candidate Kenny Smith. She just walloped yeah. him. I mean, the turnout was crazy high. Yeah. Um, she just, she, she won. I mean, she just won. So you can't say that the no, vast majority of she people. She won at 740. Remember when the uh, results came in? 640. You can't really no, I'm 740. talking about at 740 p.m. The results oh. of early voting came in. Election was over. It was like a, a first-round knockout. Yep. Which I, I, people I, I like Larry I don't not, disagree, but, to be, but let's, let's you got to understand something. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna be the first to admit a lot of us were scared about this on un, the unaffiliated increase. Mm -hmm. We thought that it was you know based on history it was gonna be for the Republicans. 
It wasn't. Nope. That was for the Democrats. But, and then that's that's issue one. Issue two, let's not forget the fact that the DNC, did. The, the, there were two strategic decisions made. The Republicans, uh, the RNC, and the, I don't think it was RNC money, I think it was NCGOP money. I don't know where the money came from, but they put their money into ads. They were on air. The DNC. I think the NCGOP, if I remember reading right, shelled out $100,000 to do mailers and door knocking. Get no, the not door knocking. There was no paid door knocking, and I'm going to tell. I'm, I'm going to say this, and I, I don't cut it this time. Whoa. The GOP does not understand grassroots in this county, and they truly don't understand grassroots at this state level. And if they had, and if they did, they would still have Governor McCrory. They would still have uh, wins in suburban counties and urban counties. And this is the problem with the party. The party has gotten so lazy because they ran against Barack Obama for eight years. You know how we won in 2000? We were organized. In 2000? Yeah. You got to take it all the way back to 2000. Well, luckily in 2000. 2000 was the last time we won, we won was... an open seat presidential election that didn't have all well, the external The U.S. Supreme Court had a little, <laughs> a little bit of help in but that. But we still won states that we weren't supposed to. Yeah, that's true. And no. we had the most organized grassroots system in the in at that time in the world. Okay, but what does this have to do with Mecklenburg That's 17 County? years ago. You were a boy. We have campaigned and turned into a party that has decided that we are going to be – we were against everything for right. eight years until it gave us everything. Now we have to govern. You traded diversity for unity of thought. No. You guys – No. Them, you guys go. run in primary mode now. Yeah. You're right wing. No. Charlotte's not right wing. Charlotte is not right wing, and neither of those so that represent Charlotte. So why do you Charlotte. campaign that way? Uh, because you guys have to all love on Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. What does primaries. that have to do with anything in Charlotte, Larry? I'm talking in about Charlotte? you ran a Trump campaign in the city of Charlotte Who in 2017. Trump campaign in the city of Charlotte? All of the seven major candidates in your party ran under the same mantle as we are conservatives, and we know better than you voters. You better vote for us. I don't disagree. I, I think they did know better, and I still think the, the the plans and the policies that they have, and this is where again, so this is where we got lazy. Bad. The messaging was bad because we have forgotten what it means to truly try to connect with people that don't agree with us. So let's boil this down now. Yeah. Let's okay, take it back to Mecklenburg County. Yeah, and specifically, this this was a theme that we saw in post election coverage for this election. Mm -hmm. The theme is wither the Mecklenburg County GOP. Is that accurate? Is that right? No, is it's not the Mecklenburg County GOP. There is no Mecklenburg County GOP. So it can't wither if it doesn't exist. Now, no, it doesn't exist. You want to know why? It's a husk. Here's why. No, it doesn't exist <laughs> because you know what? At the end of the day, you want to know who, who controls the GOP in those little towns? The people that run the towns. The I still... Okay, but... Let's not quibble. I don't want to I'm talk about or, I don't want to talk about organization in that sense. Not, the core idea of this coverage is that is Charlotte now and forever a blue city? Is Mecklenburg County now and forever not just purple but leaning so much blue that yes you'll have red pockets, you know, in the north and the and the east and the south, but it is now democrat turf. No. You're not evolving so. as a party though. You're not reaching out. There's no not, diversity. No, no. I don't disagree with that. Okay. I don't disagree with that. I think we I love how you can't bring yourself to say you agree with him. No, I don't disagree <laughs> with that. I don't disagree with the concept that we need diversity of appearance. 
but politely, we don't need diversity. We, we have diversity of thought. No one has more diversity of thought than the Republican Party. Uh-huh. They, they do. Because at the end of the day, you don't come and participate in my primaries. So when you come over to my primaries and see how nasty it gets, then you can you can tell me we don't have diversity of thought. But the funny part about this is— I wish everybody could see the look on Dan's face <laughs> right now. It's like a Gomer Pyle look. What? <laughs> what? Shazam. Dude, you just, you, you just you, you don't know what you don't know, and it's, it, it gets know, so apparently. nasty. Um, but the thing that truly drives and needs to truly drive the conservative message— Republican policies of freedom, free enterprise, self-determination, and self-actualization, that's the real ticket. Because you can only succeed so far when the government tells you, gives you okay. what you have. That I, the Republicans have and the conservatives have a real dream and a real message, and we forgot. I mean, uh, long-term, Larry, you have a huge problem. Remember, in District 6 and 7, uh, your candidates got 62% of the vote. Democrats are creeping up in those areas, and we're doing it very rapidly. Now, the suburban Democrat and unaffiliated women are the future of Mecklenburg County. That's what eventually is going to flip six and seven to Democratic, Larry. Then you will be 11 to nothing. And you don't have a message just resonating with that. The GOP message is basically rural superiority. That's all you got. You're losing the urban areas in droves right now. Um, so people in Charlotte right now are sorting themselves out where they want to live ideologically, entertainment-wise, lifestyle-wise, and politics. Um, there are sections in District 7 that are becoming more democratic by the day, like Community House, places like that. Um, what are you guys going to do? You don't have a message just resonating. Obviously, Kenny Smith, here was your idea about Kenny Smith. He's going to win big in six and seven because Ed Peacock did not. Okay, well, it didn't work again. Because mm-hmm. you guys still did not get enough margin in six and seven, nor could you, because the university area is such a large 18 precincts of Democrats. You're not going to be able to overcome that in six and seven anytime soon, District six and seven. You've got to change your message. You're going to have to run some, <laughs> some more active candidates, not candidates that just show up and smile and shake your hand and, and, and let you believe what, uh, you know, I'm one of you type thing. You guys got a serious problem with your bench with your bench and with your message. And if you don't you get should, that solved, you're going to be gone. You're going to be in a, you're going to uh, be. That's a, that's a, a wonderful job for our party chair. That's, that's, that's Are his you job. running for party chair? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's, let's get back to the city council because I have been fascinated by what seems to be Charlotte's new political odd couple, Tarek Scott Bakari and Braxton Winston. And, he, I mean, these two just, it's fascinating to me because you have Braxton Winston, who rose to prominence during the, the Keith Lamont Scott killing protests. You have Tarek Scott Bakari, who is very much, uh, has stated in campaign this way, a hardcore supporter of CMPD. Mm-hmm. And you see them at city council meetings and, you know, other places just kind of sitting next to each other, talking back and forth. I wonder if they're almost a harbinger of something a little different when it comes to politics. If maybe the, the, the label of Democrat and Republican may get, you know, pushed aside a little bit. And you have these younger candidates starting to coalesce around a different idea. It's almost mirroring the rise of the unaffiliated voter mm-hmm. and... 
I, I know it's a crazy idea. No, but not the least. what do we think? Not the least because in the olden days, thirty years ago, the municipal issues were not necessarily Democrat and Republican. In the old days, it's still everything aren't. is so partisanized lately. Um, Somebody used to say that potholes are not Democrat and Republican. Yeah, Kenny Smith said that. Kenny Smith did not make that up. Kenny okay. Smith said that a lot. You did, in fairness, you did just say someone said it, not someone coined it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Kenny Smith wrote a dictionary, apparently. Um, so when you have Braxton— And I wish people could see the look on my face. Uh, and I think these guys are going to have a maybe a fresher outlook. Maybe they're going to think of things and, and ways to work together that the previous councils have not. So I think it's great. I think all of the five or six millennials uh, in there with the other folks on the council as mayor, I think we may have different ways of going about uh, problems and issues in Charlotte. Let's hope this is the beginning of what you said, a different way of, of governing, a different way of looking at things. Maybe the old ways, it's time to put them on the bookshelf. So that's a Democratic take. Larry, what do you think? Well, let's, let's, I'm a, let's do a return to your question. Are the Republicans dead in the city? No. Yes. No. You would like that, but that's not the truth. Uh, life support. There are way too many unaffiliated in this city, Dan, and say what you will, the unaffiliated are going to continue to rise as long as we allow that to happen. And we are going to have further and further pushes to the left on the Democratic Party, further and further pushes to the right on the Republican Party. And the unaffiliated are going to sooner or later be the majority of the city. So I think Tark Scott Bakari is the future of the Charlotte Republican Party. I think Matthew Ridenauer. Is, is, is the future of the Republican Party. I think that, uh, you know, we've got some leaders in our, in our, in our, on our bench. Brad Thomas, who's a young Republican leader. Um, I think you've got folks, I think there's a lot of folks who are ready to step up and step out of, 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 of having to be locked into this old way of doing things. And I think that guys like Tarek, say Tarek runs for mayor. Tarek's going to run for mayor doing it differently than anyone's ever done it. He's still got an R beside his name. He does. But and you know what I hear? I hear there's movements among your Democrats to change that. Possible nonpartisanship, maybe talking to the General Assembly. I thought that was you guys doing no, that. No, no. Okay. I can we confirm. Are who we are. I can confirm it's not me. So apparently it's someone on that side of the table. So since this is our encore, I'm going to give you guys one last shot. One final thought. Is there anything that we haven't asked you that you want to say? Oh, Larry's pointing to Dan. I guess it's your turn first. Anything that you haven't asked us we want you to say. I'd, I'd like to say that the Democratic Party structure is as strong as it ever was. We have an excellent chairman. He's coming home happy tonight. Yes. <laughs> excellent chairman and, and Jane Whitley, who's been involved for probably 25 years. And, and involved is the right word for you, you to use with Jane Whitley. <laughs> she's evolved. And as Democrats, as Democrats we have unity. Unity of tactic right now. We did a lot of things right with a very little help from the state party. And I don't know where you said this national party stuff. We didn't see them. It was, uh, it was us. Mm -hmm. It was us using what we have demographically. And also, Larry, you've got to admit, with Donald Trump as your president, Democrats are a little more energized we than they have almost been. Almost an hour. Almost an hour. Almost an hour without saying Trump? No, almost an hour without you guys using that as, as an excuse. Well, do you think Trump is a benefit to your party running locally right now? Do I think Trump is a benefit to my party running yeah. locally? Yeah. I think that Donald Trump is favorable 
in a lot of areas in Mecklenburg County. Where? Oh, Matthews, Mitt Hill, Cornelius, Matthew, Huntersville, uh, Davidson. Uh, wait, wait, not wait. Davidson. Let, let him answer <laughs> your question. And South Charlotte. I think the I think this is the thing that Democrats let's, did better let's, in South Charlotte than ever done on. before. We did better than Hold ever on. before. Hold on. Take away the reflexive partisanship. And let's just talk about true unaffiliated. Are there folks that don't like him? Yeah, I'm certain there are. But you know what? I like him. You want to know why I like him? I like him because he says what he thinks. There's no guile to him. I think there's a I'm going to use a famous I'm going to use Hamilton as an example here. Let's talk about this. You know why Hamilton... I insist that you sing if you're going to. Yeah, and dude, dance, too. Honestly, dance, dance, too. Well, do you know why Hamilton supported Thomas Jefferson over Aaron Burr in the election of 1800? And how did that work out? It worked out well for Jefferson. Not for Hamilton. No, you want to know why Hamilton... Yeah, it doesn't matter for Hamilton. <laughs> I do believe there was gunplay involved. <laughs> there was, but it wasn't about that election, actually. Hamilton screwed with Burr's option. Let's back up. The musical even says it so perfectly. It says it so perfectly. It says, Jefferson has beliefs. Burr has none. He and the, and It's so funny because... Senator Burr? Senator not Burr, R. Burr. <laughs> Aaron Burr. Election he of 1800. Larry, come on. Oh, He's so playing bad. you. All right, we're, we're moving on. All right, but, but no, the, the whole point is that Trump has... There's no Kyle. There's no guys. There's he no, says exactly what he thinks, and I love that. I you do. You love the because, disrespect and everything. You love the. You mean what the lack did? of political correctness? Let's let sure we're the talking in the same language. Lack of respect for the office, Larry. Lack of respect for the. I'm sorry. Uh, that all. The lack of respect for the office. If we're going to talk about that, that started with 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 your president. All right. You know what, guys? This we're not going to go down the Trump <laughs> yeah. rabbit hole. So I think you made your point. Now I'm going to give you the same opportunity that I gave uh -huh. Dan. Is there yeah. anything that we haven't asked you? Yes. What is it? It's what is going to happen to Charlotte when it becomes so blue that it begins to not understand why it's a part of the state of North Carolina. And? I think that that's going to be a problem. The greatest problem that hasn't been solved yet is how Charlotte is going to be able to work with a Raleigh that continues, will continue. Because, look, you can change the Senate maps all you want. The whole county provision in the Constitution means the Senate will stay Republican. That's just no way around that. If Mecklenburg County changes its delegation or changes its message or says, oh, we're so liberal, we hate Raleigh, we hate the rest of North Carolina, backwards bumpkins you. We, we can't continue to flourish and thrive as a city without, without Raleigh. And we need the rest of the state. There needs to be proactive approaches taken on behalf and of the city of Charlotte to the rest of the state to help explain why. When we do well, you do well. As we go, so do you. We're not taking your people. We're not taking your resources. We're not. We are all one state. And I think that needs to happen. There needs to be more people in the city that do more on that area to say Hickory, Monroe, Estonia, Cabarrus County, Concord. We need to, as a region, unify and fight for things we need. Th that has to start happening. And, and it's important that our leadership, not just in the elected leadership, but business leadership and partisan leadership, understand that, yeah, we're going we're gonna to disagree sometimes. But there are a lot of things that we can agree on that are needed from Raleigh and from Washington. 
And we have to be able to rise above that. And if we get to a place where we're making decisions without including what the other side will think, if the other side has a say somewhere else, that's that's we're going to find ourselves right back to where we were with HB2. And that's what I'm not hearing. I'm not hearing how to prevent the next HB2. Gentlemen, we have done this now for oh, uh, three months. Three or four years. Yeah. Hey, it feels longer. Thanks for that, Dan. I enjoy spending time with you, too. <laughs> uh, but I want to say truly and honestly, it has been a pleasure. Thank you both for being on uh, this podcast. Dan McCorkle is Democratic political consultant who apparently is ready to get out the door. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and Larry Shaheen is, is his Republican counterpart. Again, gents, thanks. Always a pleasure. Thanks. Yes, folks, that does it for this podcast. Candidate Me was just about the 2017 election, and that one is in the books. So what's next for me in podcast form? Not sure yet. Still noodling that out. But if you have an idea, send it my way. By now, you know the drill. Thanks one and all for listening. This podcast has been a blast to do. I'm Tom Bullock, and this has been Candidate Me. Candidate Me.